puck came out, but Eric Carlson intercepts. Moves across the line, lead. Barkley Goodrow gets around the defense, shoots, he scores! Barkley Goodrow is the hero for the Sharks in overtime in Game 7. The Sharks were down by three goals. They came back, they took the lead, and then after Vegas tied it, Barkley Goodrow is the big man on campus. Sharks win 5-4, and they win the series in seven. And welcome back to Bay Area Sports Rep. I'm Lowell Tuckerman, along with Marco Ukalovich and featured reporter Ryan Leong. It is a pleasure to welcome the radio voice of the San Jose Sharks, been there since day one, Dan Rusinowski. Dan, welcome to Bay Area Sports Rep, sir. It is an honor and a privilege to have you on. Uh, great to be with you guys. Thank you. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you, Happy too, Sunday, Dan. Dan. And i got to admit, that, that call still... Gives me chills all these months later. I mean, what a amazing game that was. And your calls on, on all those goals, those four power play goals, and then the game winner by Goodrow. Wow. What a moment it was, certainly, in Sharks history. And I suppose that uh, it's probably going to be the standard bearer until that great moment when somebody, whoever the captain of the Sharks may be, hopefully Logan Couture is, raising the Stanley Cup and skating around the ice someplace, whether it's SAP Center or a spot on the road. But uh, that's a, a moment, that's a game that uh, we will never forget. For sure, Dan. And let's jump ahead to this season. The Sharks got off to such a you know bad start. And, of course, you know they have had some significant losses with Joe Pavelski heading to Dallas as one of the key ones. And they, they decided to give the younger guys a chance to try to prove themselves. Guys like Leon Bergman, uh, Daniel, you're taken. Guys like them. And, and in the beginning, they they tried, but they tried their best, but they weren't able to up to they weren't able up to to the task to stay and compete in the NHL. And so the Sharks get Patrick Marlowe. And, you know, to me, I always thought this was this was kind of inevitable, despite what all the reports were saying back in the summertime. But how did you see this whole process when they got Marlowe back? Well, it was a big boost to the team, but let's 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 be real and clear about everything that's going on. It's still a work in progress. I think that Mario Ferraro, for instance, is showing that he can play in the NHL and be uh, an upside kind of a guy that's going to get better and better each and every game. But up front, the big issue was losing three players. You know, Jonas Donskoy, um, Joe Pavelski, and also Gus Nyquist. These are all quality players that the Sharks had to you know, replace. But let's not also forget that um, it would have been unfair, and it certainly would not have been as real a situation, to, uh, say, start the season by signing a couple of free agents, perhaps, and not giving these people you've invested in the opportunity. So um, they needed to have a real situation. It couldn't be simulated. It had to be, this was on you. You have to earn the job. Um, let's see what you can do. And that's what, what's going to get you the best results. And I, I think that after a couple of games, it was clear that the Sharks probably needed some veteran help. Patrick Marlowe was available. He was easy. He wanted to be in San Jose, and uh, the terms were there. So it was an easy fit, and I, I think he's been fantastic for the team, a big, big uh, boost for the club. And all of these young guys you're talking about, whether it's your Tyken or whether it's um, uh, you know Leon Bergman, who most recently has been with the club, they're getting a lot of great lessons as to what it means to be a professional. And I, I think that that's part of the process, but the Sharks had to find out what they had and to do that in a, in a situation that uh, wasn't real, for lack of a better way of putting it, probably wouldn't have been right. So, uh, you know, kudos to, to them for being fearless 
and for going out there and checking it out and then making the decision to bring Patrick Marlowe back was a pretty easy one. Dan, it's Ryan Leong here, and uh, thanks again for coming on the program. Uh, as sure. much of a boost as Patrick Marlowe has been, how about Radim Shimmick? I mean, they got him back in his first game. He paid immediate dividends. Has he been kind of a dark horse contributor, you'd say? I don't know. Not not in our side. Uh, you know, on the radio side, we're looking at Radim Shimmick, and I remember when he got hurt in the game in Winnipeg last year, and I had visions of the Stanley Cup dancing in my head when, when he went down. And that's how important that he became to the team. Uh, he's a very solid player. He's obviously been well coached. He knows exactly uh, who he is and what he's supposed to do. And I think that that has a great uh, real impact on the team and a great effect on, on his teammates. Uh, I think Brent Burns gets better when they play together. Um, I think that classic with Eric Carlson is a nice slotting. And, and again, it's amazing. When Patrick Marlow comes to the team up front, you're able to slot your forwards a little bit better. And on defense, when Raheem Simic is back in, um, obviously it's a lot better through the top six. So um, it allows people to have you know definitive defensive partners. I think that was one thing we learned. I talked to Mario Ferraro about it and Brendan Dillon. At times they were part of a five-man rotation, really, during games, even when they were dressing six. It can lead to a smaller degree. And then, uh, you know, now you've got three sets of you can throw out there. Let's not forget that the Sharks' modus operandi is to have four lines, three sets of defensemen, which just keep coming at you. And, you know, uh, on a line-by-line basis, they wear you down because there's no answer to, to all four lines and all three sets of D. That was missing a little bit in the early couple games of the season, and now we're starting to see Sharks hockey the way that we've come to, to know and love. We're joined by Dan Rusinowski, the radio voice at the San Jose Sharks here on Bay Area Sports Wrap. And, Dan, you mentioned one of the Sharks defensemen, Eric Carlson, and he's been having kind of a rough go to the start this season. And, you know, some people who've been talking about him, particularly in Canada, have saying he's disinterested out there. And I'm like, that's that's complete BS. I mean, this guy has 11 million reasons to not be disinterested out there. What I'm seeing, I think, is more of maybe him being distracted. And, you know, he's... He, I think the joys of fatherhood have maybe been a little overwhelming for him and maybe more than he expected it to be. And so is, it, is it fair for me to say that he seems like he's a little bit distracted out there on the ice? I suppose there's been some moments of that. I think it's a, it's a continual adjustment to change your life and to change the situation. And so you have to give him some slack for that. But let's, let's be real. He is a, a game changer. He is an elite talent, and he is showing signs of that. But part of what comes with that are these periods of time when you have him not doing that and not doing it every day. But I, I see good signs with him going in the right direction. And the best thing is he knows exactly what, what needs to get better. So he's had a tradition of starting slowly. To go back in his careers in Ottawa all, all these years, uh, it's been very similar in many, many seasons where um, it's taken him a little while to get going. And I, I, I think that we just need to let this thing play out. He's just going to be fine. I, I don't think there's any issues with him. Hey, Dan, how much of a lift did the Sharks get from that game last night? I wasn't able to watch it, but I was able to follow it, on, of course, on television. And that game against Nashville, I mean, it was so back and forth and so nip and tuck. But, you know, Martin Jones made some really big saves, and, of course, they won it in the seventh round of that shootout. What? You weren't listening on the radio? Come on. <laughs> Oops. Someone got caught. Stuff happens. Um, listen, I, I think it was a huge game for Martin Jones. And I, and I said before the game that I thought he was going to be a key player in the contest because 
Don't forget, Nashville lost their previous game 9-4. They got blown out by Colorado. Jonas Donskoy, ironically, had a hat-trick in that game, and former Shark Matt Nieto had a shorthanded goal and an assist. So they were scheming. They wanted to be better. They put UC Soros in the net against the Sharks, and Martin Jones definitely wanted to feel that he was better than the opposing goaltender, and he was. He made seven brilliant saves in overtime, but three really big stops on Philip Forsberg. And Forsberg scored a goal against him, and I have to be honest, I don't think he's probably, Martin, too happy about the way that puck went in because he gave him a little bit too much to the short side. However, um, the other saves that he made during the game against Forsberg, the same player, were brilliant. And then, in overtime, he was just lights out, fantastic, fabulous. And that's the Martin Jones that, that, that we love to see. And I think that was a big game for the team that way. That You know, when the game ended, part of the team went to Team O'Meyer because he scored that brilliant shootout goal that decided but part of the team went to Martin Jones. I love it when, in a sense, the team gets split up because there's more than one player that is being recognized as being key. And, you know, we've seen a couple little stories like that this year. You know, the game before that against Chicago, Dylan Gambrell, I, I, I should say against Minnesota, Dylan Gambrell standing up to, uh, uh, to Matt Dumba. I think that the, that the thing that noticed uh, for, was noticeable for me was that the guys on the bench all stood up and they were tapping their sticks against the boards when he went to the penalty box. And then when the penalty ended, it happened again. The guys actually got up again and gave this rookie that respect for really becoming, in quotes, part of the team and part of the solution by stepping up and standing up for his teammate, Mario Ferraro. So these are little stories that we're starting to see with, with the team that are great signs. and It's uh, part of the fascinating culture of hockey that you see these things happen during the course of a season as the team ramps up toward the ultimate goal of, of chasing for the Stanley Cup. Dan, do I get any a quick um, uh, redemption, though, of the fact that I did actually listen to your post-game show, though, as soon as the game was over? Right, well, <laughs> you, you, you get a pass on that. Okay, very good. Hey, uh, last of all, I ask you about the upcoming homestand that c- continues facing the Oilers on Tuesday. That's always going to be exciting when you see Connor McDavid. Uh, they go to Anaheim for a quick one-gamer on, on Thursday, then back at it at the tank on Saturday night against the Red Wings, and then the Oilers again, which is kind of interesting, on Tuesday the 19th. Uh, back to Vegas, and then uh, closing it out with the Islanders. I mean, that seems like a really big stretch of uh, six games, wouldn't you say? It is, and it's challenging. It's it's a, it's a different set of teams that they have to face in different environments. Uh, you know, going to Anaheim is never easy. The Sharks had a game there already that was a pretty tough one at the start of the year. I, I, I think that, um, you know, as this season is going, what's striking me is the sort of um, sort of strange unevenness of the schedule. You know, they've got a seven-game homestand coming up next month. That's not ideal for if you're a season ticket holder and are planning your, you know, your social schedule. But um, I think it works for the team in the sense that they're able to sort of focus on on, on all of the the team building and the problems that they may be having or what they have to solve and build. Um, but you know, McDavid and Drysital on the Edmonton Oilers, uh, just a, an amazing talented group of people. They've off, they're off to a great start this year, and I, I really think the fans that are listening to this right now, uh, if you haven't gotten the tickets yet for one of those Edmonton games, you should, because it's a privilege to be able to um, have a team that's in the same division as arguably the best two players, two of the best players in the game today. You know, we were talking about it, we were thinking, you know, who are the best players in the NHL right now? Well, Sidney Crosby certainly is on that list, and so is Ogechkin, but amongst the newer guys, there's no doubt that McDavid is at the, at the top of the list. I'd put Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche on that list with a bullet and 
second place, maybe even ahead of McDavid on some nights. If, sure. if McDavid is if McDavid's today's Gretzky, then uh, McKinnon is today's Lemieux in terms of the way that they play. But then you got to throw in Jack Eichel and Buffalo, whom we've seen twice mm-hmm. already this season, and he's a brilliant talent. Uh, these are some players that people should see. So if McDavid is coming in here twice in the next couple of weeks, fans should pay attention to that. Dreisaitl, a brilliant scorer, too. And I think that uh, the Sharks' challenges of putting guys like Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle up against them is just a tremendous challenge, and, and I think it's, it's really... Uh, Really going to be great to, great to see them accept that challenge, especially after a couple of really solid games at home. Hey, Dan, it was a pleasure to have you on Bay Area Sports Wrap, and I'm excited to see how the Sharks progress and where they will be as we approach the playoffs. And thank you so much. Let's do it again real soon. It's going to be an interesting run. I look forward to it, and thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Dan. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. See you Tuesday. Dan Rusinowski, the radio voice of your San Jose Sharks.